Hello, everyone. It's me, Taylor Taylor, and I am your host of A Higher Way with Tay podcast. And this is the season two finale episode. It's wild to think I've recorded two full seasons of this show now, and I love doing this so much, but this pod is a lot of work, folks. I'm so grateful for this platform, and I'm really proud of the content and the guests and the conversations and the subject material. It really is exactly what I dreamed about for a long time before I, you know, grew the balls to start actually producing it and bringing it to life. I think it also really speaks for how important it is for all of us to have some kind of creative outlet. You know, I've always been a writer. And when I was a little kid, I would write all these stories and I went to theater school and drama class. And I truly always believed I would grow up and become an actress. And that was just my dream growing up. And self-expression, like in a creative form, is just so necessary, you guys. And for so many years, I just stopped doing it. Like not even just the acting, but the writing and the journaling. And like all through my late teens and 20s, you know, that creative expression wasn't really nurtured or given attention. And I think as human beings and spiritual beings, it's so important that we have an outlet for our creativity to flow. And I'm really grateful to be reconnected to that part of me now. And, you know, in astrology, Mercury, the planet of communication, is in the sign of Libra for me, which represents relationships, balance, and harmony. And it's also in the 12th house of spirituality in my natal chart. So from an astrological perspective, this is a pretty perfect way for me to give life and energy to that part of me that just loves to talk and have interesting conversations and learn and understand myself and others and the human condition. So I'm really grateful for this little old podcast and what it has become and for the incredible conversations I've been able to have with such amazing guests this season. And as I'm recording this, it's early January. It's a brand new calendar year, even though in astrology, we really start the astrological new year on March 20th. But I've always loved a good fresh start. Like personally, I love to make intentions and resolutions for the new year. And this always seems to kind of follow the nostalgia and the tenderness I feel when Christmas is over and like as I'm packing up decorations and thinking about the new year, I always feel just like deeply reflective of the past year. And one tradition I've done for the past four years or so is as I'm packing away the ornaments in the storage container, I take like a little note card and I just jot down, you know, my dreams and my wishes for the year leading up to the next Christmas. And I just like lay it right there on the top of the storage bin and close the lid. And then when I pull it down the next Christmas, it's like kind of special, you know, to read and see what things I was wishing for and which things came true. And this Christmas, you know, this holiday season in general, it was different for me. This was the first year I did the holidays in uh, like traditional shared custody kind of manner with Thomas. And it had some hard moments and some tender moments, um, but ultimately they were very good for us. And I just have to say that there have been so many moments on this journey where I have wondered how so many people do this, you know, share their kids because holy shit, it is so hard sometimes. But I guess it gets easier because if you look around, so many people are doing it and people aren't like dropping dead from the pain of it. So 
that gives me hope that it's something that, you know, hopefully gets easier as time goes. But for those of you out there that spent the holidays in this way, you know, I see you, it is tough. It's emotional, but I do believe and have faith that it does get easier. And, you know, as I'm looking ahead at the upcoming 2024 year, it's a pretty big one astrologically for me with the Aries Libra eclipses happening. You know, we also have a very significant transit happening for all of us, and that is the transit of Pluto moving out of Capricorn, where it has been since 2008, and into the sign of Aquarius. So Pluto is what we call a generational planet. So for the past 20 years, anyone who has been born, they will have Pluto in Capricorn. So like I have Pluto in Libra. And if you were born from, I think it's like 1972 to 1983, you will have that as well. So Pluto will never return to Libra in our lifetime because it takes 250 years to go around the whole zodiac. So with that being said, since it will take 20 years for Pluto to go through every single degree of Aquarius, you and everyone will experience this transit yourself, depending on where you have Aquarius in your chart and whether or not you have pivotal planets in Aquarius and at what degree. So for some people, maybe nothing huge happens, or maybe it's more of a slower burn, so to speak. Um, But for others like myself, this may be one of the most important transits of my lifetime. And typically, how these slow-moving planets will bring changes, they they bring them more to a collective level than an individual level. But in my case, I have my moon in the sign of Aquarius at zero degrees. And why this is significant is because while Pluto was in the sign of Capricorn for these 20 years, right, it briefly went retrograde or backwards in 2023. And when it did that, it hovered over that exact degree of Aquarius, zero degrees, exactly to the degree over my moon. And why this is significant is that my moon in Aquarius is in my fourth house of home and family structures. So from an astrological perspective, when I saw this transit coming, like maybe a year and a half ago or something, I was like, uh, holy shit, (laughs) something significant is going to happen regarding my home and my family. And not only that, but it's Pluto doing it. So I'm scared (laughs) and it's exact my moon, meaning it impacts my emotions and my internal self. So, you know, Pluto having this quick retrograde into Aquarius is going to give me an indication of what this transit will ultimately represent for me when Pluto stations direct in Aquarius in 2024. And I remember, you know, even talking to Dolly, the Charleston astrologer about it. And we were like, oh, it's probably because I'm moving homes. And if you recall for a while there, I think in season one, I talked about it. Like I didn't know where I was moving and I was really stressed out because I had to get out of the condo I was living in and I didn't know where I was going to go. And I did ultimately end up moving homes in June of last year. So I think we were looking at that as like, well, that's probably what that transit is, how it's going to manifest. But, you know, in hindsight, as you know, from my earlier solo episode um, from the start of season two, I can actually see now that this transit brought, you know, in a very painful way, um, a, a dismantling of my family structure or or what I felt, I guess, was my family structure. So since I recorded the premiere episode of season two in, I think, July or August, that episode was entitled Dark Night of the Soul. And if you recall, I started off the season by just going all in with you guys about 
what I had been through in regards to my family and a close friendship and some really big changes in my close relationships and my family. And I was pretty open about, you know, how dark things got in regards to that and how much pain I was in and how much I struggled to find a way to accept and make sense of those changes. And and when I recorded that episode over the summer, you know, without getting into too much detail about it, um, there was hope for a different outcome, I guess I will say. And, uh, you know, things, things just did not turn out that way. And my focus is, has always been and will always be my son. And by the grace of God, he is doing fantastic and he is loved and cared for and happy and healthy and thriving. And to be fair, that was always the goal from the beginning of that whole situation anyway. So in that regard, you know, I think his dad and I can be proud that that was and is still maintained. So Going back to Pluto for a minute, you know, Pluto represents transformation, but it can also be destructive in the way that it brings that about, much like Saturn. You know, Pluto doesn't bring changes delicately. It is methodical, and the change it brings ultimately depends on how you respond to what it brings into or out of your life. And I'm going to share a story for a moment because I think it's important. It's certainly not to talk badly about anyone, but, you know, this podcast is about my lived experience. And there was a time during the year where things were really not good. And I said to Billy, you know, do you, do you even consider us, you know, you, me and Thomas as a family anymore? And he said, no, no, I don't. And at that time where I was emotionally, that fucking destroyed me. Um, Now, listen, did he mean it? I don't know. I mean, probably. And that's his truth. Okay. It's, it's important to share this because it's relevant to how this played out for me, astrologically, spiritually, and also the deeper lesson in that challenge of accepting that. Now, when I think back to that conversation, there are times I feel upset with myself for not being like, okay, well, see ya. I mean, who sticks around after being told, hey, I don't consider you family anymore. But at the time, I was not in a good place. We were not in a good place. I felt very weak. I wish I had been stronger in myself at the time, um, you know, but I, I just wasn't there yet. But after that quick dip into Aquarius, Pluto went back into Capricorn. And my south node is in Capricorn. So that's where my tenacity and my discipline and my endurance, my grit, my toughness comes from, right? My south node. Um, and probably a variety of lived experiences too, but really the Capricorn south node. Um, I've, I've said this before, but it's because of my Capricorn south node that I just don't know how to quit. Like I will always get back up and keep going. And listen, here is the thing about Pluto. Pluto cares about your comeback. And during the latter part of the year, I started rebuilding myself, right? And my confidence and that like inner fire in me. And I firmly believe that when we find ourselves in life feeling weak, feeling beat up by life, feeling afraid, whatever it is, cultivating a sense of personal empowerment through physical activity is key. Now, I've always practiced yoga, right? And that keeps me sane, but I felt very much the deep call inside to switch from my standard vinyasa practice to start taking hot power yoga classes. 
as much as I can whenever I can. And that was a huge game changer for me. The heat, the sweat, the extreme physical challenge, it started doing something significant inside me. And I crave it now, like the harder, the hotter, the better. I want to go to a class that I feel like I might die in. (laughs) That's where I transmute and alchemize emotions and energy in my body. And, you know, subsequently my body started changing. My core was getting much stronger. I was building different muscles. And another thing I started doing, thanks to my girl, Faith Pritchard, she mailed me a weighted tactical vest, a 10 pound weighted vest and told me to get on the treadmill and just start crushing it. And I put my treadmill on the highest incline it will go, which is 15. And I just climb and you can't hold on to the railings. And you literally just for 40 minutes, you climb. And I wear a sweatshirt and my 10 pound weighted vest. And I'm like dying and sweating. And when I first started doing these workouts, all I listened to was David Goggins. I probably listened to a hundred hours of that guy talking. It was during those workouts that I felt like I was pulling out from deep within myself some kind of hidden reservoir, like this determination. The best way I can explain it is sometimes you have to show up like that to prove to yourself that the stories you tell yourself are bullshit. And the only way to do it is to push yourself harder and farther than you're willing to or want to or believe you're capable of. And for me, this was a huge part of a reemergence, I will call it, of an inner strength or inner fire that had kind of gone dark for a while. And something else I want to share, as I've talked about on here before, you know, my, my relationship with God is a pillar of my spiritual path. And I do believe that God walks with me. But I also know that there have been times in my life where I have had some shouting matches with God. And listen, you do you, okay? But for me, my God's cool with that. Like my God would rather I yell at him or her than to just be apathetic. In fact, I think God likes it when we yell, when we say, hey, fuck you, bro. Where the hell you at? Because it's passionate and it's real. And my God would rather have that than me just turn my back. And I want to say it's okay to have a relationship with your God where you can be angry. I don't believe in faking faith if I'm not feeling it. And I will straight up demand that God show up. And I want to share about something that happened this year or last year when I did just that. And I was going through a period of time where I was really questioning like some things going on in my life. Like, is this really for like my highest good? And like, I've had such a challenging few years and like, Is there really like, am I really being like refined for some kind of, you know, grand outcome or am I just getting like a shit end of the stick? And I made this deal and it wasn't really a deal. It was like, I just told God, like, you know what? I need you to prove it to me. I need you to show me that everything that I'm going through right now, not only is divinely orchestrated for me to be my best version of myself and that there is like this beautiful new day ahead and that there is payoff coming because I am so in the thick of it that I don't know if I believe anymore that that's really what's happening. Like maybe I'm stuck in thinking like 
I really just got dealt a shitty hand of cards. And so I straight up said to God one day, I want you to prove it to me. And here's how you're going to do it, bro. I want a hawk feather. I want a hawk feather to show up somewhere where I'm walking around this week. And I want it to be fully intact. And I want it to literally just be like on the ground in front of me. And that's going to be my sign from you that there is purpose for all of this and that there is this brand new day coming and that this isn't all just about like a shitty hand of cards, right? And the funny thing is like, I'm always looking for feathers. Like anytime I'm out walking or when Thomas and I walk to school, I'm looking for feathers and I've never found a hawk feather ever in my life. And that's why I said hawk feather because I wanted to make it hard. (laughs) I wanted to know if a hawk feather showed up, there was my sign and I believed it. Well, you guys, lo and behold, I think three days went by and I was dog sitting Dr. Dan's dog, Bo. He was here at my house. I took him for a walk. We went outside. It was really early in the morning. And on the grass outside behind my condo, um, there was this hawk feather and it was huge and it was perfectly intact. And I picked it up and it's on my altar now. And it continues to this day to serve as this reminder, you know, like there's my proof, right? I asked for it. I was given my sign and it was a very specific sign. And it's such a beautiful feather and it's so symbolic and so meaningful. And that was my promise. And sometimes you have to tell God, like, I need you to show up. I need you to show up in a way that I can see and feel and understand clearly, like that you're on my side, that you're on my team. And it's okay to have those conversations with God. So again, that hawk feather, it's just a sign and the symbol of something. Really, it's my faith. And another practice I incorporated into this whole thing that I was doing, like the rebuilding of my inner strength, was a breathwork practice called Breath of Fire or Kapalabhati. Um, Three minutes a day to fire up the solar plexus and ignite that internal heat, that strength. It's been very powerful for me. And it was recommended by the incredible Reiki practitioner I see, Pavan, uh, here at Remedy Wellness on John's Island. She is freaking amazing, you guys. She has helped me tremendously. And the work we're doing together is just like out of this world. Um, I also want to give a shout out to my girl, Mackenzie Cantwell, the greatest traditional Chinese medicine herbalist in the world who I literally had to track down in Bali. And I told her, listen, here's what's going on with me. Can you help? And we did like a whole herbal protocol to heal and strengthen my life force, honestly. And that's what I love about alternative medicine and these healing modalities, because can you imagine if I just like rolled up to my primary care doctor and was like, um, my life force is weak, (laughs) but with Pavan, with Mackenzie, like they were like, oh yeah, for sure. We can fix that. Um, so weirdly enough, uh, a few months ago I was having routine thyroid labs done and they came back that I had these like weird, random, critically low iron levels. And I've never had that before. And I ended up having to go in and have an iron infusion. And I remember the whole time just thinking like, wow, this is wild. How much the body truly does keep the score. Like, what does iron do in our body? It's our life force. It's the building blocks of our stamina. It's our vitality. And mine was just like depleted. So, you know, I'm doing all these things. I'm working with Pavan. I'm taking my herbs. I'm 
freaking wrecking it on the treadmill, hot yoga. I can feel myself getting stronger, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally. And, you know, for so many years, I have lived in survival mode and it felt like I was going from survival to revival. And I don't want to call it a rebirth. It was a reclamation, like not because of the hard things that have happened to me, but in spite of them. And that's what I want to share. Being stuck in survival mode, years can pass by. You have to break your way out. You have to claw your way out of that frozen nervous system. And for me, physical exercise is absolutely instrumental in getting there. So towards the end of the year, you know, I had the opportunity to sit with the medicine again. And this was in early December. And I want to share about a significant experience I had while I was in ceremony. Um, You know, here's the thing, like what I've learned about the medicine um, is how often my journeys are really mirroring how much I feel like how I feel about something that's happening in my life. So for example, you might feel physically certain things and think it's just where you're at, you know, from the medicine in your digestive system, but it's like, the feelings are mirroring something going on in your real life. So in this particular ceremony, it was very, very late in the night. And, you know, I, I was kind of laying on my mat and I became aware of like my hips and my low back. And I could feel and understand that like the medicine was working there and sort of collecting. And it was collecting from my hips and my low back, all this like stored emotion. And in yoga, we hear all the time, you know, that our emotions are stored in our hips and that's like no surprise, but I really could feel the sensation of how deeply sort of stuck, um, in the muscle and the fascia and like the joint of where all these emotions were embedded there in my low back and my hips. And it was really uncomfortable. And I tried to just kind of like, you know, deal with it for a while. It's actually kind of funny because, you know, in ceremony, they, they ask you to respect like what they call the noble silence or the sacred silence. So you really not, you know, and you're not supposed to talk or like, you know, you just try to be quiet. Well, I was was so uncomfortable with this sensation that I was having and I was just feeling sick and like my hips and oh, so I was like moaning on my mat. And one of the facilitators came over and was like, um, and they're so sweet and kind, you know, but they're like, um, Taylor, we're going to need you to just like, you know, moan in your, in your internal voice. Okay. Like it's, it's fine if you need to moan like that, but just maybe, maybe do it on the inside and like not out loud. (laughs) I was so miserable. Um, but it, as the night went on, I I really felt this sensation of like wanting to be able to move that stuck energy out of my body. And I felt like I didn't know how to do it and I couldn't do it on my own. And by the grace of God, one of the facilitators that was there, this beautiful woman who actually her like real job in life um, when she's not helping in ayahuasca ceremonies, uh, she's a doula. And I kind of like waved her over and she came over and I told her what I was feeling and experiencing. And she sat down next to me and I swear to you, it felt like for a couple hours, 
she worked with me as if I was in labor, like moving that energy from my hips and my low back and trying to move it up and out so I could purge it and release it from my body and my spirit. And I was so tired and I was so, I just remember telling her over and over, like, I don't have it in me to do it. Like I'm tired and I just don't think I'm capable. And I think I just have to like live the rest of my life with, with this in my body because I'm not strong enough to like keep going. And, and when I talk about like the medicine mirroring, there was definitely moments like where I have felt that, you know, where it's like, am I strong enough to like walk through these valleys? Am I strong enough to like believe that like I can endure and keep going when I'm fucking tired and when it just hurts so much and when I just don't think I can do it. And so all night long, I'm like wrestling with that, you know, physically, but also like understanding on a spiritual level, the significance of that and how that has been a feeling I've had and experienced in my life. And God, you guys, again, for like hours, she was there working with me, pushing down on my hips. You know, it was, it was like, she was a doula and I was in labor. And then very, very, very late into the night, I finally purged. And without like being too graphic, I will, I will just say it was wildly intense. Um, it was a little scary. Um, it felt violent almost. It was, it was very intense, but it came out. And when it was over, I was just exhausted. And I was like laying there trying to sort of like catch my breath. And she's next to me kind of rubbing my back. And she leaned down next to me and she got in my ear and she said, Taylor, that is what complete and total surrender looks like. And you guys, if you only knew (laughs) someone like me who has tried so hard in life and in the medicine and in spirituality and in all of it to find surrender, it's not easy. It's not easy for any of us, but for me, oh my gosh, you guys, like to hear that and to know that I did it, it was one of the most empowering experiences I've ever had. And I feel like in a way I, I will, during ceremony and in that experience, you know, I, I went into the darkness alone and I surrendered, but surrender wasn't about like giving up the fight. It's realizing that there is no fight. Do not mistake standing in your power for fighting. It, to me, it was about accepting the process and seeing it through, you know, to the contrary, I kept going. I guess the way a baby surrenders to the birth canal instead of resisting the power that's moving it down. Like that was my surrender. But in my surrender, I gave myself to the power that was moving me. And I I allowed it to work with me. It was synergistic. It was primal. My body remembered the reservoir of strength in the same way it did when I was in childbirth. I wasn't afraid as much as I was tired and disillusioned and defeated. And I do remember when I was in labor, reaching that point, saying, I don't have it in me. I I can't keep going. All my strength is gone. And I had a very hard labor with Thomas. And it's it's funny because if you think like in the concept of spiritual surrender, like 
how was this surrender? And then I thought about, you know, giving birth and it's like, there's no possibility for the mother who's in labor to just get to the point where she's like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, you know, all right, guys, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and head out. Like, I, I, I can't do it. It's just too hard. You know, there's no option for that. Even though I know I reached that point where I was like, I can't do it. Um, but there is an energy, a life force that takes over in birth, in life, in ceremony. And like what I was being shown was like, all these things are a process. And in that process, there is an energy that moves and guides us and we can flail and flop around and fight it, or we can work with it and move forward together. So you guys, the whole experience of that ceremony, it it was a beautiful feeling for me of really reaching that place of surrender, but also empowerment. And we've talked about this like Capricorn South node that I have that I feel like gives me this grit and stuff, right? And so we have to look at the North Node. The North Node is where we're going. And my North Node's in Cancer. It's the home, the physical home and the home within. And it's said that the Cancer archetype fosters a deep nostalgia for home and belonging. Um, Hello, that's me. That's... That's also my gift, though. It's who I truly am. And when I can fully embody cancer, I am living my truth, my best life, my most aligned life. Cancer is the mother, the river, like I said, the the nurturer of the home and the home within, like your body as a home. And Pluto wants me to see that archetype of the home. You know, my fourth house, Aquarius moon, it wants me to see that archetype of what home means to me differently to build my home both external and internal anew from the ground up and when it dipped into aquarius conjunct my moon for that brief period in 2023 it brought the dismantling right it brought the demolition and when it goes direct later this month january 2024 and hovers once again over my zero degree aquarius moon for the second time guess what it's doing the rebuilding. And that will be a major theme for me in 2024. And I have no idea what that is going to look like. But I can say this, I did the work. A lot of times we can take our natal chart and we can see transits and we can assume or expect or predict. And in my experience, it doesn't always work that way. Like the themes are there, but the way it plays out is not always what I expected. And I can understand and see like Pluto was just Plutoing, okay, coming in and doing what I, it did in this, you know, area of my chart and my home and my concept of family structures and my actual family and all that. Um, but, you know, when it comes back around, it's coming back around for that comeback. It's coming back around to see, did you learn your lesson? Are you ready for the second half? Are you ready for the next chapter? Are you ready for what happens after the dismantling and always in nature represents this, you guys, the, what follows death is new life. You know Um, what follows the the destruction is new beginning and rebuilding. And it will be very interesting to see in what capacity that plays out for me with Pluto and the fourth house. And we'll see, but 
again, looking again, as I always do to my North node, mine's in the ninth house, you know, the house of the higher mind, spirituality, philosophy, teaching, learning, higher education. And that's literally where my destiny lies. So it brings to mind for me the whole concept of imagine being loved the way you love. Man, such a theme of my life in all my relationships. And I'm not talking just romantic. And that's not my Cancer North Node or my Venus Virgo or my Libra Sun. It's just me. It's just the way my heart works. I closed my heart for a while there, but I won't do that again because that is my vitality, my life force. Life kicks you in the teeth sometimes when you least expect it. And you can close your heart or you can say, not today. And you could strap on a weighted vest and get on the treadmill till you prove to your body, not here, not today, not in this way. Like David Goggins said a million times, you have to train your mind and we do it with the body and then the mind follows. Another instrumental part in, you know, getting my mojo back was literally getting out and having fun, balancing that very strict discipline that I was holding on to with my physical routine. But like Pavan told me, you know, you chose to come into this body in this earthly experience and this human body so that you could see what it feels like to like walk barefoot on the grass and taste wine and eat food and have all these earthly pleasures that are only available to us here while we have this human body, this meat suit. And am I giving my soul, my spirit enough of those experience to just like taste and enjoy life? So over Christmas and into the new year, Thomas and I went to like five or six holiday parties. A couple of them I went to solo because they were adults only, but most we attended together. And we were joking around with each other, like, look at us, we're party animals. Um, But it felt so good. We celebrated our asses off and it renewed me. And as I go into this new year, I have a different perspective, but it's one that I have to cultivate as a practice because I can get caught up in my old stories sometimes. I still have moments where I know I'm still a work in progress with my healing. We have to give ourselves grace for those moments. And that is something I'm learning to do. I can be very hard on myself, but it comes down to a choice. It really does. When the going gets tough and the tough gets going, I choose to believe that there is a divine purpose and plan for my life. And that is different than blind faith. That means even in the moments where my faith is shaky, I choose to stand rooted in the belief that the hard times are purposeful and that there is a payoff at the end. Because really, what's the alternative? What will keep you going otherwise? Call it placebo, sure. Maybe there's some truth to that. But then I look at my hawk feather on my altar and I'm reminded that I believe in a universe and planets and cycles and a universal intelligence that is leading me through a process, a process called life. And we can choose to trust, or like I said, we can flail around in misery and discomfort and fear, but guess what? Life will take you where it wants to take you either way. And as they say, you can let go or be dragged. And on that note, 
I want to close out this episode with a quote that has meant so much to me lately um, by Herman Hess. And it says, you know quite well, deep within you, that there is only a single magic, a single power, a single salvation. And that is called loving. Well, then love your suffering. Do not resist it. Do not flee from it. It is your aversion that hurts and nothing else. So you guys, if I had a bottle of champs, I would pop it open on air right now, but just pretend like I am and pretend like it's Vuv Coco while you're at it. But here is to a new year. Here is to the end of a second season of this podcast that I love so very much. Here is to all of you for listening and supporting A Higher Way with Tay for two full seasons now. I'm going to head out into the year and live. And I am going to come back for season three with God only knows what life experiences I have had between now and then. But I sincerely doubt that they will be boring. Thank you. I love you. I will see you back here very soon. Namaste. Namaste.